episode on the kingdom of God. Well, Zach, um, so last Sunday in finishing up Judges, you talked about Samson and drew our attention to uh, that phrase that happens in the last part of Judges, uh, there was no king in Israel. Right. And you made just a, a, a great point. There was a king in Israel. They right. just didn't want him. They... they they wanted somebody with flesh and blood. God was the king, but they were literally rejecting God. Which is a fairly common theme throughout Scripture, too. I mean, that's why they wanted uh, Saul, you know, in the first place. Right. They wanted, they wanted right. a physical king, and God was kind of like, well, I'm here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in fact, if I remember right, he says to Samuel, Samuel, don't worry about this. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. Right, right. And, and then he punishes them with a 10% tax. <laughs> which that's great. is hilarious to me because 10%, that's nothing today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish, I wish my taxes were 10%. <laughs> That'd be all right. Uh, then uh, this past Sunday, I spoke on Pilate saying to Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus says, those are your words. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's me. And what it means for him to be king. And there again, just like Israel in the time of the judges, way too many of us live rejecting the kingship of God. Right. So I thought that it would be worthwhile here in the bonus episode. We're actually going to try to do this in three parts. And we're going to look at what, Jesus, in particular, says about the kingdom of God. Now, we're pretty safe in doing that because kingdom of God only occurs in the mouth of Jesus. Uh, the book of Acts, Paul, other uh, epistle writers, they don't talk about the kingdom of God. They talk about other things. They are cultural expressions, I would say of the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God in the gospel writers, as they summarized Jesus's ministry, Matthew, Mark, uh, Luke, not so much John, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke all say when they introduce Jesus's ministry, for example, here in Matthew 4:17, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. Mark says the same thing. The kingdom of God is here and talks about uh, Jesus preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Hmm. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about vocabulary. Um, so kingdom of God occurs 14 times in the book of Mark, 31 times in the book of Luke, but only three times in the book of Matthew. But kingdom of heaven occurs 34 times in the book of Matthew. So what Matthew does is he takes 
kingdom of God. And in the Jewish reticence to say the name of God or even refer to God directly, he says kingdom of heaven. But it means the same thing. comes from the Old Testament. You, uh, you drew our attention to that. In the Old Testament, we have uh, quite a few references. I uh, just jotted down a couple here. Uh, in the book of Exodus, um, when Israel left Egypt, they sang a song of deliverance. One of the lines, the Lord will reign forever. The Old Testament doesn't so much use the phrase kingdom of God, but it does talk about God reigning over Israel and other nations. You mentioned that in uh, the book of Judges. Uh, any other uh, uh, references to References that? come to your mind? Um, once again, all I can think about is for, for Israel to say things that bold, that the Lord reigns forever and ever, um, that coming from Exodus, directly after that, they seem to forget that. <laughs> it's like, it's, the, it's a very constant, uh, it's a back and forth. It's sort of like this tug of war with people that believe in God, yeah. recognizing that he is truly in charge. <laughs> yeah. And living in light of that. Right, right. That's, that's what's hard. Uh, the book of, of Daniel uh, talks about it. In, in the book of Daniel, chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar, who is Daniel's king, and you get the sense that Daniel had a pretty good relationship with uh, Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, he goes insane. And for a period of time, he, he uh, crawls around on all fours like he was an animal. Out in the fields out in the fields. He actually eats grass, which I don't know if you've ever eaten grass, but I it's can't not, imagine that's good. It's not very <laughs> enjoyable. But when he came back to himself, Daniel chapter 4, 34, after this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven, my sanity returned, and I praised and worshipped the Most High and honored the one who lives forever, his rule is everlasting. His kingdom is eternal, kingdom of God. And here is someone outside of Israel saying, oh yeah, he's, he's definitely king. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> and it was the most powerful man in the world. Which, <clears throat> so <laughs> with where we're headed, this may be worth clearing up. Um, it says his rule is everlasting and his kingdom is eternal, right? Yeah. So it almost sounds like he's talking about two different things, but that's a common Hebrew turn of phrase. It's, that's right. It's poetry in Hebrew. That to is To say Hebrew something poetry. twice, two different ways. Parallelism. Right. It's, and that really is what it is. You're saying in two different ways the very same thing. Exactly. And so don't get that confused and think his rule and his kingdom are two different things. Right. 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 So uh, Psalms, David in uh, Psalm 47, 7, God is king over all the earth. In Psalm 145 from 11 to 13, they will speak of the glory of your kingdom. They'll give examples of your power. 
they will tell about your mighty deeds, about the majesty and glory of your reign. And your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. You rule through all generations. So here you have uh, all through the Old Testament, right after the Exodus, you have David, the first really major king in Israel, saying, oh no, not me, it's him. Right. Um, you have a foreign king, Nebuchadnezzar, saying, God rules. Right. You have Jeremiah 10.7, who would not fear you, O king of nations? That title belongs to you alone. Jeremiah is saying he rules not just Israel, but he rules everywhere. Right. Does King Cyrus ever say anything to that degree? Because I know he listens to what God commands he does. him to do. But I don't know that he actually like makes a proclamation like that. I don't think you get King Cyrus. You get a couple of letters from Cyrus, mm -hmm. but you don't really get Cyrus uh, a Cyrus soliloquy like you do here with Nebuchadnezzar. Right, right, right. So no, I don't think he does. Okay. Now, he may have understood it, sure. but... I mean, his actions seem to state that he uh, did. He was, yeah, David, the two, uh, David, Daniel, the two kings that he got along really well was Nebuchadnezzar and Cyrus. And in both of those cases, Daniel appeared to have their ear. Mm -hmm. When they needed something, they went to Daniel. Right. Because Daniel's God reigns. Right. <laughs> now, having said that, the book of Amos is really important here just because of the way Amos writes about God's kingdom. And I think he, he kind of clears up um, one, of the, one of the problems that we could develop. So in Amos chapter 7, from verses 7 to 9, uh, Amos has a vision. Then he, God, showed me, Amos, another vision. I saw the Lord standing beside a wall that had been built using a plumb line. He was using a plumb line to see if it was still straight. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I answered, a plumb line. Um, when they were building a wall, they would have a, a, a plumb line, which basically is a cord with a weight attached to the end of it and you, you hang it and gravity being what it is it pulls the string straight so you can check to make sure the wall's straight but in israel they would tack that into the top of the wall i mean it would go in there pretty solid uh, and it was more than just a string it was a good stout cord because if the wall was not plumb they would use that and they would just go ahead and pull the wall down. Mm. So Amos sees a plumb line, both a measure to determine if the walls is straight and a tool to destroy the wall of judgment. So the Lord replied, I'll test my people with this plumb line. I'll no longer ignore all their sins. The pagan shrines of your ancestors will be ruined and the temples of Israel will be destroyed, and I'll bring the dynasty of King Jeroboam to a sudden end. What Amos is saying is, yes, God rules, 
And the kingdom of Israel is not identical with that rule. Hmm. There are problems in the kingdom of Israel. Now we saw those problems in the book of Judges. It goes on. Israel, on the other hand, identified itself as God's kingdom. And Amos talks about that too. Chapter 5, verse 18. What sorrow awaits you who say, if only the day of the Lord were here. So Amos says, okay, there you sit, saying, oh, gee, I wish the day of the Lord were here. You have no idea what you're wishing for. That day will bring darkness, not light. In that day, I love this, you'll be like a man who runs from a lion, only to meet a bear. <laughs> and escaping from the bear, he comes to his house, he leans his hand against a wall, only to be bitten by a snake that comes out of the wall. <laughs> so when he thinks he's safe, that's when things pop up and get him. Israel thinks it's okay because it's Israel. Right. But it's not. A little, little bit of that going on today in our world, isn't there? There is. There <laughs> is. The whole point of this is that the church today is in the same situation. We think we're okay because we attend a church. Right. That's not what it's about. The church is not identical with the kingdom of God. Right. It can be a member the, the, yeah. at, at its base level at, at what Christ refers to as the church to truly be a follower of Jesus yeah you're you're living in the kingdom yeah yeah but not everybody who attends a church is really a follower of Jesus right it's not a checklist right right it's right. a lifestyle we were talking uh, before we started uh, taping about the uh, the big C church and the little C church yes um, Big C Church, the, the body of Christ. Yeah, that's a, that's a part of God's kingdom. We just got to make sure that we are part of that kingdom, that, right. that Big C Church. Right, right. The, the, the body of believers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what it boils down to the kingdom of God in the Old Testament are those areas where God truly reigns. Israel thought that it was okay because they were ethnically Israel. They were genetically children of Abraham. Not so much. Because way too many of them didn't let God reign. Right. Same thing today. We think church membership is, and it may be important, but um, certainly not everything. God reigning is everything. Right, and I, I mean, I think it's kind of important to think about what, in an earthly kingdom, what happens when you don't follow the king's rules. Right. Bad things happen. Bad things happen, <laughs> right? for sure. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we worship a very gracious and merciful king, but that, that also, it, it's important to realize that when we don't play by the rules, we invite all sorts of trouble into our lives. Yeah. Boy, how true is that? Okay, I think we're going to call it here. This is just a very brief introduction. We're going to continue with the bonus episode, but uh, we're figuring about 10 to 15 minutes is 
about the right size for these. So uh, we will come back. If you want to binge watch and just keep watching, keep up with the next uh, bonus episode, part two. We'll see you in a little bit.